Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I want to start the service by asking you a question, and I don't want you to answer it out loud. It's just something I want you to think about. And the question is this. If we were, if we were just hanging out, I would like to ask the question, and I'm always interested in the answer. Don't answer it out loud right now, though. I just want you to think about it. I would ask this question. I would say, why are you here today? I would, I would ask that question very sincerely. I want to know why you're here, because everybody lives a busy lifestyle, and everybody is busy, and everybody has all kind of things going on, but for you to get up perhaps on your one day to sleep in, your one day to mow the yard, your one day to just do whatever, why are you here And if we pass the microphone around, we'd find a lot of different answers to that question. Some are here because they're just holding on and hoping for one more day. And and the reason that question is important is because people come to church for a lot of different reasons. How many know that's true, right? They come to church for a lot. Let me just cover a few. I won't exhaust them all, but maybe you'll find yourself in one of these. And it's not that any one of them necessarily is bad, but we come to church for a lot of different reasons. Some people come to church out of obligation. Have you ever met that person? They're here. They don't really want to be here, and it looks like they don't want to be here. How many know what I'm talking about, right? It's just obligation. It's kind of like I grew up in church. I had to go to church. Um, and, And some people, when you come out of obligation, it's like the only reason you're here is to get your demerits removed. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, I got a gold star on the chart. Now I'm in good standing with God at least for a couple more hours. You know, that kind of thing. And so it's kind of obligation. How many have ever somewhere in your life attended church just out of the obligation level? Let me see your hands. And how many of you with your hands up, you weren't happy about it, right? You can usually identify this person in church. They, they don't look like they're happy that they're here. Number two is a God connection, which sounds good and it can be good. But some people come to church because, man, they're trying to make a God connection. And that's great. We want you to make a God connection. But sometimes church can be their total supply of God. It's the only place they pray. It's the only place they crack their Bible open. Uh, and, And these people, they can get frustrated if the sermon isn't deep enough because they're not preaching to themselves. I know you don't know anybody like that. I'm going to work on you until I get at least a groan out of you today, all right? Uh, 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 And they they could get frustrated that the sermon isn't deep enough, or watch this, they might get frustrated that the music isn't worshipful enough, Mm -hmm. because it's my one shot in the week to hear from God. It's my one shot to pray. It's my one shot to worship, because the church is my, it's almost like the church becomes our drug of choice. That's where I get my hit. And then I go do my thing, and then I come back. You don't know anybody like that, so let's move on. Number three, some people come just for Bible education, and that's okay too. I'm I'm just giving some things that I've seen over the years, but if we only come for Bible education, we'll turn the church into a college professor teaching a historical lecture hall rather than a place that we connect with God. 
I'm not minimizing the Word of God. I hope you are here. In fact, I see Bibles open. I love when people are taking notes. I love that. Uh, But sometimes we can get caught into, I'm just coming to be taught more. How many know we've already learned enough? (laughs) In fact, our our learning has well exceeded our obedience. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Number four is people come out of motivation. And, and man, I just need to come to another pep rally, you know? I, I just need the church to prop me up one more week, and I'm dependent upon the pastor. I'm, pretend, I'm, I'm dependent upon that caffeine. No, I'm just dependent on anything the church can do to prop me up. And there's stages of our Christian life that that is true. And then number five, there's relationship, and, and we want you to make relationship, and I'm not necessarily bad-mouthing any of these particularly in themselves, but, but sometimes we can just come to church because that's where I grew up, or, or that's where mom and daddy went. We have advantage. You didn't grow up here. We've only been alive for five years, okay, everybody? But um, everything revolves around my family, and, and it revolves around the fellowship, and it's where I make my friends. Or there can be that we come out for revelation. Uh, this is where I'd like you to be. Not for education, but for revelation. And, and this is, I'm here because I'm on the journey, and I'm trying to make one step closer to God, and I'm trying to hear what is God saying to me, and what is he doing in me. Is there anybody in the house like that today? Ah, finally, I got somebody, all right? And there's all kind of other reasons. We can make a whole message out of this, and many times I've thought about making a message out of why do we come to church, and and there's a whole lot of other reasons. Some are here because their girlfriend's here. We'll take you, all right? Some are here less likely because your boyfriend's here, but we'll take you too. Some are here because you're looking for a girlfriend. We'll take you also, Or you're looking for a date. Married folks, shut up. Okay, and some people are just here out of curiosity. It's it's amazing at Radius how many people are here just kicking tires with church backgrounds and without church backgrounds. They're just kind of, you know, coming. And I always ask people, how'd you find out? Well, we've just been hearing. We've just been hearing, and and we're kind of curious. Some people are here because they're facing a life problem and think, man, I need to connect with God. Some people are here because they're searching. Some people are here because they need something from God. God, and we come for all kind of different reasons, and the reason I talk about that in church attendance is because as we dive into Ephesians chapter number four, Paul kind of turns the page on us. We've spent five weeks now on chapters one, two, and three, and Paul tells us about all the benefits we get by being in Christ and in the church But then he turns the page and says, now that you're in the church, you have a responsibility, watch this, to the church that you're in. Okay, first three chapters are this. The first three chapters deal with our position. If you've been here for this series, you'll know this. He deals with our position. He talks about all the blessings we get. He talks about being seated with Christ. He talks about being adopted. He talks about being redeemed. And everybody was like cheering, wahoo, that's great stuff. But now we turn the page because the next three chapters, they deal with our practice. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's fun. I mean, I can get an amen just about out of anybody when we talk about all the benefits you get for being a follower of Christ. 
Uh, we hear silence and crickets that came to church when we talk about then what we're supposed to do for the body of Christ. Or in, in other words, if you're a Christian or if you're in Christ, then we have a responsibility to that blessing. And that's what Paul begins to talk a little bit about. We move from, we, we move from the heavenly blessings and we move now to the practical. And in the next three chapters, Paul deals with things like how you live at home. Hmm. I mean, no, you can, you can fake it for a couple hours on Sunday. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I, I mean, uh, and, and, and we can come to church and at least be nice for a couple hours and, and, and act like good Christians for a couple hours. But Paul dives into, okay, but how are you acting at home? And he dives deep into it. He talks about parent and, and kids' relationships. He talks about husbands and wife relationships. And, and we're going to dive into that. And, and he talks about the church. And he talks about how to act in society. And, and I, I don't know if you believe this, but I believe we need to hear a lot more about how to act at home. <laughs> we need to hear a whole lot more about how to act in church. And we really need to hear a whole lot more about how the church ought to act in a society that doesn't have the values that we have. Come on, somebody, right? I, I think somewhere I missed this course where it's like Christians, the meaner we are and the more, the more we object and get mad at the world, we think that's how we're going to win them. But that's not how we win them, by being attackful and vengeful and mean and, yeah. Okay, so, now, so remember, let me back you up to this. Remember, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. So he's writing it to a bunch of Christians just like you, probably dressed a little different, but just like us. He's writing to the church and saying, hey, church, here's some things you need to be very aware of. And, um, and it's not just for Ephesus. We know this is what's called a circular letter. In other words, it was to go to all the churches. But here's, here's, the, here's the leather hitting the road. We can sit here and go, oh, yeah, this is a letter to the church. But you and I are the church. That means we need to take this personally. And um, so when I was looking at this chapter, as I, I was pulling some things out of this chapter, if this were a, a chapter, if this chapter were just a sermon, I would break it into three points, and I would talk about our unity, our ministry, and our maturity. Now, I'm not going to list those three points, but I put them up there because I want you to, I want to see if you don't recognize those three points as we really just go through these first six voices. Uh, the church, we need to have unity. The church is there for ministry, and the church should be growing up, not just showing up. All right? Uh, that wasn't even in my notes. Could you write that down and let me say that again? In the, all right. So let's talk about unity first, and let's dive into Ephesians chapter number 4, uh, verses number 1 through 3. Here's Paul. He's writing. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord... Now, now, if you're newer around here, again, the yellow words are some of them that I want to stress we'll come back to. But he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Man, that's already loaded, isn't it? And you have the, of the calling that you have received. He says, watch, be completely humble. I already don't like this message. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? It gets worse. It gets worse from here, okay? Like, not partly, not on Sundays. He wants us to be completely humble. There's a good one to start with. And, and, and then, if that isn't enough, I want you to be gentle. Well, I don't even like that word. And then, and then I want you to be patient. That's against my religion, first of all. Can I get a witness on that, anybody? All right. So already, I really don't like Paul. And some of you are going to take it out on me and not like me in this message, but let's let the Bible read us today instead of us reading the Bible. All right, everyone? It says, bearing with one another. That I don't like either. I want everyone to be bearing with me, not me to have to be bearing with one another. And then he adds, in love. Because it's one thing to put up with people, but it's one, another thing to put up with them and love them while you're putting up with them. Come on, married folks. Don't uh, act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Right, and then and then it says he, he just he just keeps it's like he plunges the knife in, then he turns it, and then he turns it again, and then like he just continue he, he's just well, watch make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the make every effort, every single effort. Oh wow, there is a lot in these first three verses. Would anybody agree? Right. And, and, and would you also agree that if this is all we focused on in the church, if Radius Church, if we didn't do anything more but to focus on these three verses, how many know the church would be appealing to a lost world? If we didn't do anything else, if all we did for the rest of our lives together, if all we did every week is look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, how many know we would be this life-giving place that people couldn't wait to get to and be a part of if that's how the church acted? And that's why it's so important to Paul. I love verse number one. He, 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 I don't, yeah, if we can go back there. I love these two words. He says, I, these three words, I urge you. I dove into that statement because uh, Paul is pleading. It's like Paul is begging. He's like, please, please. He's begging us to live a life that is worthy of our calling. And before you say, well, I'm not called, that's for you, Ken. No, 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 no. If you're in Christ, we've already learned we're all called. Mm -hmm. so, so he's, he's begging. He's saying, church, please. Please do these things. He's urging. One translation, it says, I urge you to, this one says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. One translation says, I urge you to walk. Uh, it says, to walk in a way of your, to walk in the direction of your calling. And, and, and I like that word a lot because walking is an action. He's not just saying, I want you to live a life. I want you to walk in such a way that your walk looks like where you're heading. <laughs> Can people tell where you're heading by walking, watching the way you walk your life? Uh, are you hearing that? See, walking to me, and, and I'm just a word guy, and that's why probably I do this for a living, but walk to me has this rhythm to it. It's, it's, like, it's like a military. When he steps, I step. There's a rhythm to it. Come on, any military, ex-military in the room here today, right? Uh, anybody at all? Yeah. It's like there's this rhythm, right? You know, you're left, 
your lip. Come on, right, everyone? And it's like when he steps, I step. I don't have to watch everyone else's steps. i got to watch that point guy's step. When he steps, I step. That's what Paul's saying. He says, I want you to walk in a way that looks like you're heading in a particular direction. Let me say it another way. Some of us need to start walking as though you are walking towards the thing that you are pursuing in life. I want a better marriage. Then walk that way. I want more joy, then walk that way. I want to know God more, then walk that way. Your walk should reflect your call or your direction. Mm -hmm. And, And not just as a person of God. I could turn this into right now real easily. What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your goals? What's your vision for your life? What tomorrow is better than today? How are you hoping you'll raise your kids? Hoping your marriage? Hoping your business? Hoping your emotion? What are you hoping for? And then walk that way. You ever hear people that say, one of these days, I know none of you have ever said that, but how many know one of these days never comes around? One of these days, I'm going to get fit. One of these days, I'm going to get serious about God. One of these days, I'm going to... No, no, you've got to start today and make that step in the direction of where you're hoping to get to. I know it sounds elementary, but we got to point our... Let me give you an example. When I was 19, I knew that God was calling me into ministry, but I had no clue how to do that. I didn't know anybody. I didn't go to Bible college, so I didn't have all the connections. I didn't grow up in a big church. My church that I always went to was under 100 people. I never had a youth pastor, never had mentors, never had anybody telling me about being in ministry. In fact, I I, I didn't really think that I wanted to be in ministry because the pastors that I knew didn't look like the kind of person I wanted to be. And so I just didn't know what to do. But I started pointing my life in the direction of where I wanted to go. And, and, and so when I was dating, I would date in a way, come on, that was pointing me in my direction. If Patty didn't want anything to do with ministry, Patty wouldn't be sitting there today. <laughs> of course, I probably wouldn't be standing here either, but that's a whole other message, all right? I, I had to point my life in the direct. I'll give you an example. Uh, um, I was on a motorcycle ride. I was 19 years old, and I was out on a motorcycle ride, and, and I don't really remember. I might not remember, or I might not want to tell you, one of the two, the circumstances that were surrounded, but I found myself at an intersection with two guys in an argument. You guys have never done this, right? Come on, Jeff, help a brother up here, all right? Because you're lying if you say you haven't, all right? So I'll call your stuff out, everybody. All right, so I'm at this intersection on my motorcycle. I'm 19 years old, and these two guys are mad at me, and consequently, I'm mad at them. And, and so they, ju- they start yelling non-Christian things to me. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, I ain't putting up with that. I jumped off my motorcycle. They jumped out of the car. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to be a pastor. What if they show up to my first sermon? This isn't going to be good. And so have you ever been in the heat of an argument? Like, I'm ready to like... We're ready to rumble. You know what I'm saying? This was before I was old and brittle, everybody, okay? I'm 19, remember, all right? And and, and I'm like ready to roll. And all of a sudden I feel it had to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit say, are you walking in the direction you're you're trying to get to? I, I could hear myself going, what about this is pointing you in the way you want to go? 
So in the middle of this heated argument, I, I said something kind of like, well, I would bust your face, except God has called me into ministry. <laughs> I mean, that's the greatest cop-out line you've ever come up with, right? And now they think I'm lying. Yeah, you better come up with something, you know. And they think I'm lying. I'm like, no, man, I'm serious. I was wrong. I was out of line. I let my flesh get a hold of me. And they said, you are such a liar, but it's a good. I said, no, no, I'll prove it. I got a Bible. And I had a lunchbox strapped on the back of my motorcycle. I said, I got a Bible in there. And, and so I got my Bible out. And, and, and watch this. It said, Rev Ken Hubbard. I wasn't a Rev yet. <laughs> I was just heading in the direction. Come on. That's what you call faith, right? And they said, well, anybody could have a Bible. I opened it up, and I had things highlighted. And I said, these are sermons I'm going to preach one day. And we sat there for the next 30 minutes in this intersection, me telling them about what God had done in my life. What I'm trying to say is you got to point your life in the area, in the direction that you are trying to get to. And that's what Paul's saying when he says, walk in a way that is worthy of being in Christ, everybody. Can I get an amen? on that. You see, the reason he is pleading, Paul literally, it's almost like he's begging. Come on, I'm begging you. Come on, church, I'm pleading. I'm urging you to walk in a good way. Why? He's pleading because we damage our message when we don't walk in unity. See, the world looks around and looks at the church and goes, man, all that fighting and all that disunity, I can get that at the club. I can go to the bar on Friday night, get in an argument in the bar on Friday night, get punched in the face, go home, but I'm coming back to the same bar and sitting on the same bar stool on the next Friday night because we get along better in the bar than them folks get along over there at that thing called church. And that's why Paul's pleading. He says, guys, come on, there's something bigger at stake than your opinion. There's something bigger at stake than what you think it ought to look like. Come on, everybody. There's something bigger at stake than you posting your favorite scripture on, oh, never mind, I don't like to preach about those things, all right? See, when we don't walk in unity, when we don't walk in our calling, and we all have a calling, we all have a purpose, and I would just say one more time, stop waiting and walk in the direction that God has called you. And, and by the way, let me just throw this in here. This is a little extra. And when we're talking about walking in a life that's worthy, some are saying, well, you, you know, I, I know that God won't call me to do anything that I can't do. First of all, I don't know whoever lied to you and told you that. God calls us to do what we can't do all the time. In fact, my whole life is about what I can't do. In fact, have you read the Bible? God is calling us to do what we can't do all the time. Why? So we'll lean on Him to walk the walk that He wants us to walk. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than by yourself. Come on. I, I mean, come on. Peter, come on and walk on the water. Oh, yeah, I know how to do that. Been doing that since fifth grade. Right? He called Peter to do something he had never done before. He called the lame man to walk. He couldn't do that. He called a dead man to get up and come out of the grave. He will always call you to do something that you're not able to do by yourself. So you need this thing called the church. Come on, everybody, right? That's what he's doing. 
I'm promising you he'll call you to do something greater than you think you can do. He'll, he'll call you to give something greater than you think you can, but he will empower you to do it. Now, I'm not done with verse number one, but I want to skip through it. We'll come back to it um, because it'll have more impact once we investigate verse number two, okay? And so um, Paul now really heaps it on. And, and, and basically, he's talking about unity and in verse number two, he basically tells us how to have unity. All right, you guys with me? So verse number two, watch this. He says, be completely humble. Does anybody else in here love this verse the same level I do? Could I see your hands? You know, you nice people, you love this verse. And you wish some of us loudmouths would read this verse a little bit more. But he says, watch this. It's not just be humble. He had to have this little word in between. Completely humble. You guys get that one? Completely? Uh, like completely humble. Not sometimes, not partially, not like on Sundays, but be completely. And, um, and notice he's saying you're called. And the first steps to fulfilling your calling is to be humble. Mm. Because pride comes before fall. And, 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 and watch this. Can you put my verse number one back up there real quick? Because watch this. Let's, let's go back and see if Paul isn't putting his money where his mouth is. Watch this. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord. Uh, he's demonstrating humility as he's telling us to be humble. He didn't come say, look, I'm the grand poobah. I'm the bishop of it all. I'm the one that started this whole thing. Look, you better listen to me because I got a direct revelation from God. I'm the man. By the way, any pastor that acts that way, you don't want to be in that ministry. Okay? And uh, he says, be completely. Remember when he started the book of Ephesians? He said, I, Paul. Paul means small. Paul, if anyone could boast, it would be Paul. But Paul says, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a prisoner I'm just a part of the team. I'm nobody super special. Uh, I, I'm of low status. And, and if anybody could have really impressed you, Paul could have impressed you, but he doesn't. I like what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said about humility, he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Woo, that's good, isn't it? While you're loving that, let's get to the next one that you're not going to like. I'm just telling you ahead of time. He says, be completely humble. And then he says, watch this. Come on, everybody. Be gentle. And all the guys said, yeah. Be gentle. Now, this is not a word that most of us guys in the room are aspiring to. Can I get a, at least an agreement on that, guys? I mean, when you get guys together in a room, we're talking about, hey, dude, how much did you bench press on Friday? Well, you young guys do anyway. And, you know, how, how high did you lift your four-wheel drive truck? Yeah. My goal this year is to shoot a turkey and a deer, you know, and whatever. And, and can you just imagine some dude in that conversation who's like, yeah, my goal this year is to be more gentle. It just doesn't happen. Guys, don't leave me here like you're, you suck sometimes. Because uh, you're sitting next to your wife going, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm really trying to be nicer and kinder and more gentle, right? Anyway, all right. He, 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 he's not sharing this goal with his buddies how to be gentle, but Paul says, I want you to be gentle. Jews, Gentiles, male, female, come on, I want you to be gentle. Now, Maybe we don't want to be that because we misunderstand what that means. If I'm too gentle and too humble, people will run me over. 
That's not what this is talking about at all. In fact, the word gentle here, it's really the word meekness. Watch this. And meekness is power under control. When you can have power and you can control the power, then you are the strongest person in the room. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 16. That It says, better to be patient than to be a warrior that can conquer a city. Wow. It takes more self-control. Come on, am I right about it? Does anybody, can anybody relate to this? Um, and, and it says it's, it's meekness, it's power under control. Let me go back to the men for just a minute, especially all the single guys watching online. That's what a woman wants in a man is power under control. Come on, ladies, it's your turn now. It's your turn now. Meekness is dealing with others. Watch this. Here's the word that changes the idea of gentleness. Meekness, gentleness, is dealing with others with kindness and consideration. Oh, I'm preaching to the church right now, and I don't even think you got it. Yeah, but they don't vote the way I vote. Kindness and consideration. Well, they don't believe the way I believe. Kindness and and consider, Paul is saying, I'm begging you to show people, no matter what walk of life, no matter what worldview, no matter what ideologies, I am begging you, church, to treat others that don't believe the way you believe with kindness and consideration. I'm begging you. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, the way we treat each other on social media, just like that. <laughs> right? I mean, come on, Jesus is the great example. See, kindness and consideration is not just about being nice. It's about when you're buddy-buddies with somebody and you're having conversation and you see somebody walk into the church like, hmm, I've never been here before. You can tell. You can tell, like, where's the coffee? No, that's the bathroom, sir. Right over here is the coffee, right? It... it Treating somebody with kindness and consideration is letting them be in your little club, in your little circle. Come on, everybody, right? And, and Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus is showing kindness. He's showing meekness. He's showing power. He has power, but he has it under control. In fact, Jesus himself describes himself as meek and lowly. Wow, humble, humble but strong and in control. Okay, now if that hasn't offended you, be humble and be gentle. I'm going to try one more time, all right? I'm going to try to really get you on this one. And then Paul says, be patient. How many just love that word? Just let me see your hands. Okay, two of you. That's wonderful, probably because you live with somebody that's impatient. All right, I get it, all right? Uh, listen, I'm just going to tell you flat out, I would never choose to preach this. But it's in there, and I have to preach it rather than skip over it, all right? I mean, no kidding. Sometimes I think things happen to me because God knows what he put on my heart to preach, and I already put it in print, and I already sent the notes to, so, to the media department, and now God puts an example in my life. I'm driving yesterday. My only goal, it's my Sabbath. I've only got one goal. I'm going to the gas station to fill up my truck so it's not on empty on Sunday morning. The only goal I have. I got nothing else going on. It's my Sabbath. I'm not in a hurry. I don't have nowhere to be. I'm just going to the gas station. 2.3 miles from my house. And I get behind the one guy. It was him. 
I have a digital speedometer in my truck. He is driving 33 miles an hour in a 50. I can give him some grace, but I can't give him 15 miles an hour grace. I can give him one or two on a good day. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not got anywhere to go, but I, he can see, all he can see in his rearview mirror is Ford. That's all he can see. I'm bad. I'm preaching to me. You guys just, can I do therapy? Hold on one second. Let me, and, and I'm beside myself. I'm, I'm thanking God for this guy. I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm on Highway 9. I live out on Highway 9, and, 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 the, and the broken yellow line's coming. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, answered my prayers. Wonk, wonk. And I pass him. And, and I was trying real hard just to pass him, like, with a Christian look on my face. I don't know what it is, but there was, like, as soon as my car got even with his car, I had to look. I wanted to know what knucklehead is doing 33 and a 50. And it was this little old lady that could barely see over the steering wheel. And I heard Patty's voice say to me, that's somebody's grandmother. And I said, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? It's just, and Satan said, I would, but you're going too fast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was made up too. Anyway, all right. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? But hold on. Now, I told that whole story to get you in on it. That's not necessarily what being patient is. We think being patient is being all nice while we're waiting in a long line. That's not what patience is. Watch this. Patience is, put it up here, long-suffering with others. Now, honestly, I wasn't being long-suffering with the guy, the grandma in the car. Patience is when we allow, come on, other people to be on their journey and drive at the speed they need to drive at, even though they're getting there slower than you think you're getting there. But the fact that you're fr frustrated and judging for where somebody else is on the journey might be your indicator light that tells you you're not as far along on the journey as you think you are. Good night, everybody. See you next week. <laughs> Right? I mean, come on, right? Let, here's what Paul is saying. Let them be on the journey because we're an open circle. This is a church issue, friends. This is not a personal character issue. This is a corporate issue because, as we said last week, the church is the trophy case. The church ought to be the trophy case to the diversity and unity all at the same time. Being humble, being kind, and being patient are the keys to unity in the body of Christ. Can I get an amen on that one today? And that's what allows us to be healthy, and that's what allows us to be life-giving. But Paul's not done there. And I'm almost done because I've only got about five minutes. He's not done there. He pushes the envelope a little farther, and here's what he says. He says, he says all these things, be patient, be humble, be, you know, right? And then he says, then he adds like the cherry on top. He says, bearing with one another. It's like, man, Paul, like, 
whew, this is rough stuff. Um, and, and I want you to notice the selection of words. It's very important. We would understand it this way, bearing with one another. How many know this could have been a marriage message really easy? Bearing. bearing well, here's what a bearing does. Bearing reduces friction between moving parts. Have you ever noticed in the church someone here is going to get on your nerves? Have you, have you ever heard, <laughs> nobody wants to say amen. Yeah, he's right over there. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he's on the stage every week. I don't get it, all right? <laughs> he said, it's being bearing with one. Somebody said amen. Hey, all right? <laughs> it's the selection of words. Watch, whenever we're moving, trying to get close to God, watch this, trying to get close to God, guess what? We got to come to this thing called the church in order to be on the journey or part of our journey. And somewhere we're going to run into each other that are all trying to do the same thing. And we're going to bump into one another. And when there's all this movement going on, there's going to be friction. And I don't like the way they did that. And I don't like the way he did that. And I wish they wouldn't. And I sure wish they would. And doggone it, so-and-so. And who sat in my chair? It's an issue on most Sundays. Today there's a couple selections, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Bearing sounds like you're bearing a burden. It is. That's exactly what it is. And, and you're not the only one. I have some burdens around here too. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm glad Patty is bearing with me. You see, the moral of this verse is sometimes you can be a bear and other times you can be a burden. How many know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Paul is saying... Here's what he's saying, bearing one another. He's saying, make room for faults. Church, hear me. Please hear me. I urge you to hear me. Make room for faults. Make room for somebody that acts in a way they don't know how to act because they haven't been in church for 30 years. You want to let, me, let me tell you what I did on my second Sunday in church in my life. You guys want to hear this? I, I went to church the first time. I jumped on the church bus, went to church. You heard the story, gave my life to the Lord. The second Sunday, I went back, and my mom figured out, wow, this is free child care. And so she sent me to church also with my baby sister. And she said, if you come home without your sister, I'll kill you. And if it wasn't for that, I thought about coming home without her. But anyway, I had to come with to church, and, and I couldn't find her after church. And I'm terrified. Mom's going to kill me. I'm going to heaven right now, five-year-old, going to heaven. And I literally, I thought, well, man, that preacher, he gets up and uses that microphone. He yells at everybody. Maybe it'll work for me. I got up on the stage my second Sunday. Bent, I climbed up on the back of the big wooden pulpit. How many remember this thing? And I bent the microphone. How many know the which gets every? And I said, has anybody seen my sister? And tears are coming down my face. I didn't know how to act. Some say I still don't. But that's why you fit in here. Right? Let, let, make room for the differences. I know it's hard. I, I know it's hard, but I'm begging you. I, I know you got hateful Henry sitting next to you. And I know you got negative Ned up in front of you. And I know you got sad Sally on your left. I know. But it's not called grace if you sit by everybody that looks like, acts like, believes like you do. It's grace when they're different than you. Come on, right? 
Verse number three, I'll close. Verse number three, he says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort. Now, I make some efforts. I don't know if I always make every effort. Basically, what's happening here, if we could put it in historical context, he's telling the Jews and the Gentiles to get along. Let's contextualize now the text. He's telling us that are different to get along. To get along. It might shock you to know that there's people in this place that believe different worldviews, different politics, different sexuality, different, different all kind of beliefs. There's people that come in here every week that don't even believe in God. I had a guy tell me, and if you're here, let me steal your story. I won't call your name. I had a guy tell me this has been about three, uh, no, maybe about five, six weeks ago now. And I shook his hand and said, hey, what brings you here? He said, I just like it here. And, and, and then he made this comment. I don't remember how it came out in conversation. We were back at the coffee bar. He said, I'm not even a believer. And I said, well, do you, do you want to be? He said, no, I'm not even sure I, I believe in God. I said, well, like, how long have you been coming here? He said, I've been coming here for like six weeks now. And, and I said, well, why do you come if you're not even a believer? He said, I just like the vibe and how I feel when I'm here, and I like the stuff that you say. I should have kicked him out right there. <laughs> I should have closed the circle up right there. Now we're getting too crazy. Come on, everybody. Paul's saying, I beg you guys, come on, church. There's more at stake here. There's something greater at stake here than my opinion. Is it a safe place? Is it a life-giving place? And if it is, then let's put the name church on it. And if it's not, don't dare put God's name on it. Come on, everyone, right? And uh, I, I got to close, but check out verse number four and five. I'll just read it. I won't preach it, but watch this. He says, watch this. And he brings it all back to this unity thing. He says, watch, watch. Because there's really only one body. And there's only one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, and one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism, and one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Did you get that? Did you get the theme? We're one whether you like it or not. Yeah, that, that, we're one. We're, we're one with the person that just stepped on your last nerve. We're one together, and that's what Paul is saying. And let me show you something real quick. See that word right there, one God? The original word for God right there in the original text is Elohim. Here's what's interesting about it. Elohim means, Elo means one, Him, or he, it's Him. Him is plural. Even God's name is I'm one, but I'm plural. I'm all one, but I'm very diverse. Ah, oh, Elohim reflects who the church ought to be. We're all one, yet we're all different. God is saying, oh, I want to preach this, but I don't have time. God is saying, I'm in concert with myself. I'm Elohim. I'm one God, but I'm God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we're in unity, and if we can be in unity, you ought to be in unity also. Come on. 
God is diverse, but he's one. I mean, he'll be a cloud in the daytime, and he'll be a fire at nighttime. He'll be a brother, but he'll turn around and be a father. He'll be the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, but all at the same time, he's one. He's in concert with himself, and why should the church expect to be anything less than in concert with ourselves and God? Come on and say a good amen to that. All right. Uh, jot these down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about being many parts in, in, but one body. Romans chapter number 12 talks about being one, uh, many different gifts but one body. You can write those down. Let me close with this statement. Um, one of the reasons that we always are asking you to come to next steps is for the very reason behind this sermon right here. We want there to be unity in the body of Christ. And so we want you to come to Next Steps. Thanks for the plug, by the way, Matt. We want you to come to Next Steps as soon as possible. How long had you been in the church before you came to Next Steps? Put you on the spot. Just a couple weeks. So from a complete non-believer to, I'm going to go to that Next Steps stuff and see if what's going on on Sunday is really what's going on. So he comes. The reason we want you to come to Next Steps is because of the, the very thing I just preached. We want there to be unity. And there can't be unity if you jump on board and have no idea what you're jumping on board to. Because you like everything about the new church until you don't. Come on, somebody. And so you owe it to yourself and the body of Christ to show up the next steps to find out what are we about? How do we do church? Why do they do music on a video screen? Hmm, why, why do we do it the way we do it? How, how do we do it? Why is it that way? See, we want you to know what you're getting yourself into so that you know what you're getting yourself into. Right, everybody? I'll give you one illustration. A guy I came to our church a year into it, and it was a good idea. I'm not, I, I don't have time for the details, but he said, hey, Ken, here's what we need to do. And, and the church in our first year was already like, you know, 150 people. And, and he said, man, what, what I'd like to do, but he was really volunteering us to do it. He said, I, I want to do a church business directory. That way everybody in the church can do business with other people in the church, and we can network and all those things. Now, that's a good idea, everybody. I'm not foo-fooing the idea, but I want you to track with me on something. We do four things, and my job is to keep us doing four things. Because if we start doing ten things, we might not be good at four things. And, and, and so my job is, here's, here's our vision. You want to know the vision? There it is. We want you to know God. And then after knowing God, we want you to find some freedom in that. And after finding some freedom, we want you to discover some purpose. And then we want you to know the joy of being on the team. In other words, I know this is going to sound trite, and, and I know some of you analyticals are going to go, yeah, but he was just trying to help. Listen, making a church business directory does not help me fulfill those four goals for your life. I'm not here to introduce you to another business partner. I'm here to introduce you to God. And once you know God, you can find freedom, and then you can discover purpose. Come on, everybody. Now, if you'll get in life groups, you'll find the business partners. But it's not my job. So here's what I'm saying. I can't say yes to everything. I have to say no to some things. And if you come to next steps, you'll understand why we say yes to things and why we say no to things, because my paramount priority 
as the, if you would, as the director, is to keep unity in the house and keep us moving in the same direction. And you're not confused what direction are we going this week. I'll tell you what direction we're going. We want you to know God. And when we want you to find freedom, and we want you to discover purpose, and we want you to make a difference in your walk with Christ, that's all, folks. Come on. That's it. That's all I got.